prayed for this church. He was filled with joy. Why? Because of the way that they were partners in this gospel too. Now, is there something that we can learn from this ourselves? I think there is, because if, if not, then why is it that despite all of the blessings that we have in our lives today, and despite the fact that we live in one of the most beautiful and, and one of the safest places in the world, then why is it that year on year we only seem to be getting more and more depressed? That is what all the statistics seem to say. Why is that? So naturally, the first questions that have been plaguing my mind as I've been reading through this book myself are these. What is it that brought Paul so much joy? What on earth was bringing this man so much joy? And since we've already, if you're listening carefully, heard the answer to that, then then my next question is, well, what might be involved in, in us Partnering in the gospel today. What keeps us from partnering in the gospel today? And so first, to be clear, what what is it that, that brought Paul so much joy? The answer, he, he was living in this incredible partnership or, or relationship with, 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 with God a relationship and a partnership that both he and this church had in, in the work and in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing this gospel with the world. But as we read on into verse 7, then we see that it had got to the point where for Paul it actually seemed to make almost no difference at all if he was in chains I thought I had that verse there. No, if he was in chains or if he was out and about and declaring the good news. It made no difference, it seems, to Paul at all. He still felt this joy. But what, what does this letter say at the end? If you're familiar with this book or if you, if you flick on through into chapter 4, it says that Paul had learned the secret. Hey, he'd learned the secret of being content in any kind of situation that he was in. Now, why was that? He says, it was all because of Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Now, I want to ask you, do you know that kind of joy today? Do you know that kind of joy today? Or perhaps is your joy being robbed Is your joy being robbed by all sorts of other different things, worries and and wants and concerns? To be honest, my joy gets robbed all the time. My joy gets robbed all the time. And and it gets, gets robbed by just the smallest of things. It could just be a word or a comment that someone says, you know. It could be that I'm feeling hungry or hangry or tired, sick. And yet somehow the joy that Paul speaks of here and that he felt is a joy that's able to still be there. 
um, despite all of these different things that he, he was facing in life himself. And those things were hard. Now, you saw this picture before. This is my idea of fun. This is, this is my idea of joy and of having a bit of fun. What's yours? Do you want to turn to someone next to you and, and briefly say, what's your idea of fun? What would be a fun thing for you to do today that would bring you joy? First thing that comes to mind. So you're going to do it? Well, this is my idea of fun, and I could think of lots of other things as well. But as Paul well knew, you know, a life of true partnership in the gospel is not always quite as fun as this, or maybe as, as the thing that you talked about just now. Because he spent lots of time in trouble and in jail, you know, lots of time um, facing really hard things. But even then, what Paul found is that even in the darkest of places, like in a prison, God was still able to use him to shine his light, to shine God's light. And and so he still felt joy. So as I continue, I want to continue to think about the birthing of this church that was bringing Paul so much joy. And as, as I read on into Acts chapter 16, I discover that once at that very same place of prayer, you know, by the river outside the town, outside the city, Paul and his friends were met by a young girl who was a slave. And yet because of the evil spirit that was in her, she was able to see and to speak about the future. That you think, you know, fortune teller type, type thing. She could tell people about the future. <clears throat> now in the end, Paul gets tired of this girl. Because what she's doing is she's constantly following them around and she's shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, I don't know why Paul got sick of that, um, but you know, drawing a lot of attention to him that, was, that could have um, perhaps been harmful as well. And so what Paul does is that in the name of Jesus, he casts the spirit out. But when the owners of this girl find out, they are cross because they're used to her making them lots of cash. Now, fast forward in the story, story, and we find out that Paul and Silas have been brutally beaten and put in jail, you know, to within a threat of their lives. And yet in the middle of the night and through an earthquake, well, what do you know? But God miraculously sets them free. (laughs) But, of course, it was not without the conversion and the baptism of the jailer and of his whole family too. This is the beginnings of this church that was bringing Paul so much joy. And from there, of course, it grew, and they partnered in God's work as well. 
So if you read on in Philippians chapter 1, you'll see that by the time that Paul was writing, it seems to suggest that a number of people in this church had also spent time in prison too for their faith. And yet Paul and no doubt they felt joy. So with all of this in our minds, I want to ask you, what might it look like for us as a church to partner in the gospel here today? Jumping ahead again. And what might this partnership involve? What might it look like for us to partner in the gospel today? Well, maybe we can all breathe, just quickly breathe a big sigh of relief because it's probably not going to end up with us being put in, in prison for our faith right here today because of the safe place that we live. But for many Christians in the world today, that is still very much the case. Here we go. So just the other day, it came out that this man here, Alexia Navalny, had just, well, suspiciously died while he was living his life in prison too. Now, we're not going to get into Russian politics here today, but I was interested to see this week that he seems to have also been a partner in the gospel too. So I want to quote what I believe he said in prison um, a couple of years or so ago. And he said this, he said, So if you want, to, if you want I'll talk to you about God and salvation. Because the fact is that I am a Christian, which usually rather sets me up as an example for constant ridicule because mostly our people are atheists. And I was once quite a militant atheist myself, he says. But now I am a believer. And that helps me because there is a book in which, in general, it is more or less clearly written what action to take in every situation. It's not an easy book. It's not an easy book to follow. Not always an easy book to follow, of course, but I am actually trying. And then, after quoting Jesus, who said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He then went on to explain like this. He said, I've always thought that this particular commandment is more or less an instruction to activity. Or to action. And so while I am certainly not enjoying the place where I am, I have no regrets about coming back or about what I'm doing. You know, it's fine because I did the right thing. However, this is the part I like. On the contrary, I feel a real kind of satisfaction. You know, joy, satisfaction. Because at some difficult moment, I did as I was required. Amen. And so here was a man of faith who, in a very difficult space today, was willing to partner in the gospel and in God's work. And he felt joy. However, just like Paul, it seems that he still, he still felt a joy that was able to transcend all of the more impermanent kinds of things that might otherwise steal our joy today. And so how did he feel such joy? 
Now, youth group on Friday night, our focus just so happens to have been on some more of Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount, that same passage. Uh, And this is where Jesus said in his sermon, he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin will destroy and where thieves will break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures on, sorry, in heaven, treasures that will last. And then Jesus concludes, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two different masters because in the end, you'll always be at war with one, right? That's the idea. We could put it like this, though. No one can be in partnership with God, with both God and God's and the experience of God's joy, and at the same time be in partnership or be mastered by the wants and desires of the world. You know, the things that are fighting for something else, that are working towards something else. So what are the things that bring us joy? What are the things that bring you joy? And, and are they things that will last? If I'm honest, I've got to say, it's a, for me, it's a bit of a mixed bag. That's for sure. You know, because I still seek and experience joy from things as unimportant and, you know, um, impermanent as I don't know, chocolate or, you know, um, you know trying to keep fit or, or, or the latest new toy, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, watching TV. But I also deep down know that none of this compares to the joy that I have felt when I have seen someone come to faith, you know, someone new come to faith. Now, fill in the blanks. Um, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99, ones, 99 people who do not need to repent, who have no need to repent at all. So as I thought about how Paul might have felt so much joy. When I stopped to think, I started to see that it's no wonder. Because it's like when we find that we're actually partnering in God's work, then it's true that we also get to share in God's joy. The infinite joy of God. How cool is that? Now, honestly, when was the last time that you felt joy like that? Think of that that verse. There's more joy in heaven than over one sinner who repents. When was the last time you felt joy like that? (laughs) So as I close, I I want to tell you that God... And that his spirit is right here today and is wanting us to experience and to be a part of his very own joy. His very own everlasting and unimaginable kind of joy. 
that, that won't leave you with a sugary taste in your mouth, you know, and regrets. But at the same time, what's also true is that the enemy of God, the devil, is doing all that he can to stop us getting even just a taste. Because he knows that if, if we even just get a taste of the ultimate joy of God, you know, I, I reckon that there's nothing on earth that can ever hold us back from being faithful to God through it all. You know, no matter what. If I could taste, if I could feel, if I could experience that joy, what is going to hold me back from being faithful to God no matter what? It's what keeps us from partnering in the gospel today. What keeps you from partnering in the gospel today? One of the things is, is honestly, the, the enemy of God, the devil, is constantly trying to keep our eyes and our minds fixed on all sorts of other less permanent and less important things. Distract, distract, distract. They could be things that bring us joy. Yes, but the kind of joy that will not last, the kind of joy that always just fades away or, or leaves us wanting more. There could be things that make us feel grumpy, ungrateful, unsatisfied or cross. Or they could be things that bring us joy, a joy that does not last. Who's read this book, this wonderful book by C.S. Lewis? It's called The Screwtape Letters. Thanks, Calvin. Oh, yeah, it's a good book, isn't it? It's, it's, and if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a very insightful book. However, within it, C.S. Lewis very cleverly points out that indeed the safest road to hell is the gradual one, isn't it? It is the road that has the gentle slope. The road that is soft underfoot and that has no sudden you know, hardships or twists and turns. And yet the hard thing I think for us all is that the gentle and easy road is the road that we think is going to bring us the most joy. So what, Paul, what brought Paul so much joy? It was that he and this church were actually partnering in God's work. They were sowing and sharing the gospel with the world and they got to see the fruit. A wealthy businesswoman. A poor slave girl. A jailer. And their families have come together to be the church. To be a living example of the, that the gospel is at work. And so they felt this joy. So what keeps us, what keeps you from partnering in the gospel here today? I honestly believe that the enemy of God is right now trying to sell us all these different things that are joys, yes, but that are joys that will not last. Maybe he's trying to distract us and to steal our joy by encouraging us to think that we are trapped in some kind of prison-like thing. And yet it's not. 
It might not be a prison that has chains or even bars, but it could be as simple as feeling like you're stuck. Maybe you're online here today. You're stuck in your bedroom or your room or your bed, you know, because you're unhealthy uh, or sick. It could be it could be a feeling like you're stuck in your marriage or that your kids, it could be your kids because they're stealing all your freedom in your sleep. <laughs> you could feel imprisoned while you're at work. I don't know. But in this way, it's like the devil is constantly trying to convince us that we can never feel joy unless... Or maybe some of us here, for some of us here, our prison or the thing that is keeping us from the incredible joy of partnership with God is just a thought. Or it's just a hurt that you've not been willing to let go of or to forgive. For a lot of us here in this church, the COVID-19 lockdowns and the mandates were a lot like this as well. And that affected me in a very big way, myself. But you know, be careful. Because it's so easy for the devil to use these things to sort of pull us away from the joy of us actually being partners together as a church and in God's work. Do not let him steal that joy. So I need to tell you that nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change until we forgive and turn away from those things that distract. That are distracting us from the joy that God wants to give. God wants you to have that joy. And then until we turn our eyes back together to the one who said in John 15, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Did you hear that? So that my joy, this is Jesus, my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. You know, that's a joy that can remain even when you are in prison. Even when you are in prison and in chains. That is a joy that you can have when you are tired and when you're hungry and when you are sick. And it's a joy that will never, ever pass away. Does anyone want a challenge for this week? One. Read the whole book of Philippians at least once. Two. All through the week, just constantly try to cast your mind toward heaven. And Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, and then scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God into joy. Now it says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God wants to share his joy with us today. The joy of the Spirit. There's a song that Chaz and I were trying to remember. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Because if we have that joy, if we taste that joy, there is nothing that will hold us back. If you want that joy today, join me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this world and enduring such hardship and such pain so that we might know your joy, so that we can be partners in your work and in your joy. You say, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sin. We ask. Fill us with your spirit and make our joy complete. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.